Archie Manning's just sneaking into his uh into his yeah. house and spiking his breakfast. They're on skates. They play on ice skates. It's insane. They can't. They literally can't play on turf. They, they have no leverage. It's like they none of them have ever played offensive line. They're just big people. Oh yeah, Josh. Josh Gordon wants those fantasy fantasy snacks. <laughs> Chris, go uh, go do your trick or treating or drinking yeah. and handing out. Be Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Hi, this is Jerry Kramer, and you're listening to the Sweep. Oh, I have sizzle. I don't even know what that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. It gets the people going. All right, here we go, fella. Let's have a little fun today. What is happening, Pack Nation? We are back on to do what we do best and talk some Packer football. I am your host, Fred Thurston, and with me tonight, Mr. Cameron Gilbert and Coach Chris Kellett. Welcome back, guys. Good to be here. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having us. Tonight's show is going to be a little different. We will not be having anyone from the Patriots SB Nation site Pat's pulpit this week due to the fact that I don't really want to listen to any Patriots fan tell me how great Tom Brady is and how great Bill Belichick is. And if I really needed to listen to it, I could probably just go on ESPN where they seem to do that on a regular basis. Instead, we're going to stick home. We're going to talk about the pack. We're going to talk about all the things that happened yesterday in the trade deadline and a little bit more about the Rams. But before we do that, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, the Ground Round and Nina and Pride and Glory Clothing Company. Check them both out online at groundroundnina.com and prideandglory63.com. Pride and Glory just released a new shirt, Throwback Pack, honoring all the greats of the 1960s. Make sure you guys check that out. And while you're at it, make sure and check out The Sweep on Facebook. Go up to that little search button and type in The Sweep. Or on Twitter, at The Sweep Podcast. And now, on SoundCloud. And before we get into it, I want to remember a late great Packer who had played with my grandfather, Mr. Bob Skronsky, who passed away the other day. A incredible man, incredible athlete, incredible football player, uh, an incredible friend of our families. Um, I hope that he rests in peace. I hope his family gets through this time and, and I hope we can all offer up our prayers uh, to Mr. Skronsky and his family. It, it, it hurts my heart because it seems as though it's only a little bit of time in between another one passing. The Packers of the 60 were the greatest dynasty of all time, and I hope that we can always remember them and continue to honor their legacy day in and day out. Bob Skaronski deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, big time. On the other side, Forrest Gregg's already in there. He went in when I did in 1977. And here's Bob Skaronski, blindside tackle for a right-handed quarterback. Great, our offensive captain, fabulous player. He's not in the Hall of Fame. I, I'm very, very disappointed, and I just hope that more and more people will get on the backs of those who are at the Hall of Fame and say, look, we need this guy in here. All I know is that here's a person, in my humble opinion, who deserves to be in there. When I look at people who are selected and go in in similar positions, and they're in there and he isn't, I really get upset. But well, all right, guys, we had quite an eventful day yesterday for the Packers. 
some for the good, some for the bad. It all depends a little bit on who you talk to. Uh, but let's go ahead and start with Ty Montgomery. Well, I, know, I thought it was something that, you know, that kind of had to happen um, just based of how everything went down. And, you know, from a fan's perspective, I think it's pretty clear that everyone wants Aaron Jones to get more carries and more touches and be on the field. And, you know, one of the three was expendable. And Jamal was younger. Um, and he, he's a you know, phenomenal pass protector. Everyone always talks about that. So, you know, combine that with the fact that, you know, he had his, you know, Ty Montgomery had his issues last week. And it, it was just time for a change. And, you know, it should be a welcoming one. I'm curious to see what they do for a, a, you know, just a receiving running back out of the backfield if they put Cobb back there or, you know, and then for the same duties they bring back Trevor Davis. But I just think it's something that had to be done. Yeah. Um, you know, at first I was, uh, you know, I was like, you know, don't, don't make like a knee jerk move and uh, cut this guy. He's a professional football player. He saw something that we didn't. And, uh, you know, let's not beat him up too hard about it. Um, but, uh, since then, uh, I, I think these moves were made, um, to, in an attempt to kind of galvanize the team and, uh, for Goot to kind of, uh, come out and say, this is my team and, uh, these are my guys and let's play for each other now. And I think it's either gonna work or it's not. And, uh, you know, it's like we were talking about earlier. It's a it's a hiccup you expected when you transition uh, to a new GM. Yeah, I think this is definitely his stamp, one of his stamps, I should say, that are that are going to be placed on this team. Um, Trade of the Ravens. Bottom line, guys, he threw a fit. He went against the coach's orders. I talked a little bit about it on our the video yesterday. Um, it's it, you just don't do that. Uh, he wasn't being utilized the way that I wanted him to be, that was disappointing, but you can't go against the coaches. You can't throw a fit. You can't go and try to redeem yourself in a post game, you know, little speech. It doesn't work that way. Um, I will say on a side note, hated, hated the hatred uh, from the fans towards him. That was pretty bummer. Um, I hate that he had to go out the way that he did. I thought he was, you know, a decent player for that, for that sake, but you know, there needs to be a change. And I think like Cam said, you know, coming in, there's going to be some changes and it might sting a little bit and it might take a little while to get going. Um, but I think the overall picture here is that we're going to see a facelift. Um, and that I think really started for a lot of people and, and for the Packers with the trade of haha Clinton Dix, um, getting rid of, probably our best safety, probably one of the, the longest tenured guys in the secondary, no doubt about that. Um, played a ton of snaps, 14 Korean interceptions. You know, he, he's been quite reliable. He's had his, his, his mistakes, no doubt about it. Everybody has. Um, but this leaves us guys with Bryce, Whitehead, and Jones uh, at safety, potentially. Thinks, what do you guys think is going to happen here? Has is, is, is Petten got something up his sleeve? Is there is there something that – we're going to see in the next coming weeks that we did not anticipate. Uh, sure. If, if you watch that game, uh, especially early on, you saw a lot of guys uh, like, like Tremont get cycled uh, into this kind of floating safety uh, position and covering the slot or uh, kind of peeking into the backfield. 
Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of just petting creativity here because uh, corner, we just have so much depth at corner and guys that have shown they can be effective. Um, and I think we can reduce our, our deep liabilities and our speed liabilities through scheme. Um, and we can help those young guys out. Um, but uh, I've been really excited by our uh, defensive performances. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, just looking at it, it's kind of ironic that we talk about it because the secondary in years past has not been a strong suit for us. Um, and so, you know, just thinking about how much difference a year makes because we hit on a rookie, we bring back Tremont. Um, you know, the jury's still out on Josh Jackson, you know, from a preseason. Um, his stat line this this year is, is pretty undesirable. But um, Green Bay would not do any of this if they didn't have a plan in place. And the fact that Tremont played some safety for Cleveland when Fenton was there, um, you know, just combined that with Whitehead getting a lot of minutes. Um, I thought Whitehead did some okay things. I mean, he obviously struggled at times and gave him some plays, but that's nothing that none of the safeties haven't done. I, I'm really curious to see how he utilizes Josh Jones. Because uh, when Jones played a couple games, I, I had the linebacker hybrid position. Last year he was pretty effective, and you know, it seems like something's been there's been a fire lit under his ass because he's he's done some really good things on special teams. And it'll just be interesting, right? At first I was kind of thrown back by it because I was, I've always been a ha-ha supporter. You know, he's long, he's, he's athletic. Um, but then I kind of think of the option, you know, if Tremont Williams goes back there, then, you know, Josh Jackson improves quickly, gets a lot of reps. And, you know, years from now, he'll be better. Otherwise, Josh Jackson could play safety. Um, you know, Whitehead. You know, Bryce is actually worries me more than any of the other guys. Um, that might just be my own opinion. But I, I'm actually kind of excited to see what they do with it. You know, ha-ha's going to be a – a, a tough replacement, but you know, Tremont Williams is, is wise beyond his years, and um, if he goes back there, I, I don't think it'll be that much different. Yeah, I think initially uh, there was a shock wave that kind of went through uh, Packer Nation. I, I felt it. Um, I didn't agree with it, but having a night to sleep on it, having a night to think about it, thinking about it a lot today, hearing that Tremont was taking some reps at safety and practice kind of made me start to think and, and what, what is Petten's plan here? What, is, what does he have available and how can he make this work? And I went back to Tremont playing safety at Cleveland, like you mentioned, Chris. Um, that's a huge deal. And I think that what we can see there is, is a potential for that. With Jones, um, HaHa was quoted as saying that Whitehead was the Packers' next Micah Hyde because uh, he's so versatile, the ability to do a lot of things. And you start to kind of put these places, these, these guys, these, these pawns into place, and you see that maybe there's something good going there. Uh, you have, obviously, a, a, a star on the rise in Jair. Uh, Josh Jackson, who I think doesn't get a lot of praise and, and his name doesn't get mentioned a lot. Um, you know, as a corner, that's a great thing. Uh, sometimes you don't want your name mentioned because that means you're doing your job. Uh, Jackson, Jair... And King right there to me is a, is a combination that's pretty impressive. Don't rule out the idea of, of King even moving into a safety position. Um, he played uh, a few snaps for a few years in Washington at safety. So there's a possibility. There's a possibility for Jackson. There's a possibility for Tremont. And there's a possibility for King. 
uh, and maybe even Whitehead and, and just Jones stick back there. You don't know, uh, but I'm really excited to kind of see what happens. And another mention, Cam, you started off by saying that we have an incredible amount of depth at corner. How freaking crazy is that coming off of last year that now corner is our strongest position? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's our strongest position because I think our defensive line, if they play the way they played uh, last week, every week, um, we're going to be really hard to beat. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's it's pretty great. I mean, if you just target uh, a group uh, of guys you really like um, and it, it looks kind of crazy on draft day, you go for all these corners and all these receivers – uh, but you, you build this depth there that is just going to last you for years. And one of the things I really like about uh, the haha move is now you don't have anybody who's playing for a contract uh, on the back end of this defense. It's just young guys and a mentor figure in Tremont just kind of like, uh, you know, playing for each other, uh, playing to get better, learning the position. Everybody's going to see more snaps now. And let's not forget about Bashad Breeland. Uh, who is going to be able to play in the slot, is be able to play outside. He's going to be able to open up some of these uh, hybrid positions and new types of roles in this defense. Um, and uh, I, I guess the only thing I'm worried about now is who's going to cover Gronk, because I think the last time we played him, uh, HaHa was spying him most of the game. Yeah, HaHa did spy him last time. And it's funny that you bring up Breland, because if Breland was on the team last year, he might have been the most talented D-back that Green Bay had. You know, King was there last year, but he's missing the majority of the year. But Breland is a is a guy that was you know one of the sought after free agents, and then I think he broke his foot or had something wrong with his with his ankle or his foot, and then had, you know his contract voided. Um, but it'll it, definitely be interesting too to see how he uh, how he fits into the grand scheme of things because the team will look drastically different. You know, towards the end of the year, you know, with injuries and just with how guys develop. Um, but you know, one major thing with Gronk, you know. I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Jones follow him around because Jones has the speed and uh, he's he's a big, strong dude and he's physical. You know, so you know that would be my guess is they throw someone like him. You know, even even if they have to, someone someone like Burks. My biggest concern with the Patriots would would probably be James White though. He's been fantastic all year, which I appreciate being on my fantasy team. But uh, it's a little frightening thinking how we struggle covering running backs out of the backfield and. We have James White coming to town, and then you know Adelman's back, and, and and Gordon's you know back as well. So it'll it'll be interesting. The 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 I would say about fifty percent of the time when the Patriots go empty backfield, they've got like a a fullback and a tight end, and they split them wider than their widest receivers. So your safeties kind of have to go out there and cover. We're going to see what Pettin can do uh, this week. Um, and I'm kind of excited about it. I mean, I, I hope I hope this is a, a, a galvanizing move. I hope this is a uh, let's let's show up to play type game. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of excited to see what uh, all these different guys can do. I think there's there's a lot more promise here than there is stuff to kind of languish about. A few other big moves from yesterday. Uh, <clears throat> Philly gets Golden Tate. Houston gets Demarius Thomas, and uh, the Rams pick up Dante Fowler Jr. Out of those three, who had the biggest win? I think it's Golden Tate to the Eagles. 
you know, Eagles are, are at 500 right now, four and four. They're fighting for their lives over there. The, the Redskins are, I believe, in the lead. And, you know, they've they've never really had a go-to wide receiver. You know, Nelson Aguilar's had his ups and downs. And I think Jordan Matthews came back and, and he's done okay. But Golden Tate is, is a bona fide guy that you have to worry about. You can move him around in the slot outside. And it just gives them one more piece to their puzzle. And it's they're going to be extremely tough to defend as Carson's getting healthy now. And um, so, you know, to me, that's huge. And then, you know, Demarius Thomas going to Houston is, is big too. That would be my second one. Um, I, I'm just not sold on Houston, you know, plus they'd have to go through the new England of the world. But, but I think, uh, I think that uh, Philly has a real chance to, you know, get back in the conversation just like last year. I, I love that move for Philly. Uh, I love him uh, across from uh, Alshon. And uh, you kind of see Wentz struggling a little bit this year with, with kind of depleted running backs and no Trey Burton. And Nelson Aguilar is uh, hobbled and not really playing up to speed. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a weird move for me because the Lions went out and they got Snacks Harrison last week. And it seemed like they were ready to go. And uh, then they got rid of Golden Tate, who's, who's like getting like 30% of their targets this year. So uh, it's a strange one for me. Uh, I'm not sure if, uh, if I know what they're doing there. Um, but uh, another, I think the Dante Fowler move is, 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 uh, is interesting. I, I think he was bogged down in a stacked uh, edge team in, in Jacksonville. And now he's going to get a lot more snaps next to a lot better players. Uh, and uh, that'll be interesting. Demarius, I, I think he's a little bit, he's kind of run the tread. Uh, but uh, you put anybody next to DeAndre Hopkins, they're going to they're gonna excel. Yeah, I, I've actually talked to some of my buddies who are Detroit fans, and they're extremely high on their wide receivers there. And I, I do believe that Golden Tate's a free agent after the year. You know, so yeah. they're probably thinking he's probably not going to resign because they're so high on their young guys and, you know, kind of ship them out just to see what they have. And, and you know, from what I was told is they think that the young guys are, are just as talented. And, you know, with Golden getting such a high share of the targets, like you mentioned, it's it'll help propel those guys, you know, just to improve. And, you know, then going into next year, you, you can spend some draft picks someplace else and, and see where you're at because it, they weren't anticipating Golden coming back. Similar to – you know, ha Clinton Dix, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I, Galladay at the Lions and this uh, this young guy who's stepping up for the uh, the Broncos. It's it's cool. Those uh, both those guys are going to get a bunch of work, um, and uh, just young receivers can kind of just step right in, uh, as we've seen with uh, MVS uh, last couple of weeks. Um, that's an exciting exciting potential to have that that much ammo at a position of need yeah mvs last three games 12 catches 216 yards two touchdowns with an 18 yard average that's an exciting new addition for the offense let's get into the rams we'll quick talk about them before we hit up the patriots um obviously a disappointing loss a loss that should have been a win i feel uh extremely optimistic after that game uh just because of i think the stature of the Rams and us being able to compete and honestly win most of that game. Uh, we looked like the better team for the most part. 
Um, Alexander had a breakout game. Obviously, he is the the hit of the week. Um, like I said, MVS had a good game. Patton did great on defense. Let's give a shout out to Kyler Fackrell for for picking up another. That's four sacks, ladies and gentlemen. Four sacks. It's the weirdest, yeah, per, most perfect sack out of nowhere. <laughs> and it was so weird. It's, hey, it's still four <laughs> sacks, man. He he hasn't had four sacks in his training camp career, has he? No, of course not. I don't think he has in, in the live one-on-ones. But, no, you know, he, he balled out the one game where he had three. And, you know, he, he, he stuck his nose in there. He, he's been all right. You know, the most – Impressive thing to me was just how how dominant the defense looked at times. I haven't felt that way in a, in a long time, and you know, just seeing how the secondary covered, and then when they didn't cover, we seemed to get a lot of pressure. And and Goff looks rattled. He, he was very average for a long time, and you know, once the safety happened, it, it, it gave up momentum and then kind of changed the game a little bit. And you know, that's an, an, an unfortunate thing. And it's you can look back on it now and say it was a bad call. Uh, you know, slant was opening things too, but. Things could have played out differently, but I was just impressed with, with how dominant the defense was at times. And it, it wasn't just one phase. It was, it was all three phases. You know, Matthews blowing things up, um, allowing Martinez to be free and, and, and just fly around. It, it, it was really fun to watch. Yeah, if we, don't, if we don't give away that safety, which was an awful call, and we should talk more about that, uh, and, and if we uh, don't shank a punt in the fourth quarter – and we don't have a couple drives that sort of nonsensically short circuit in the middle of the game, that's a runaway victory. Uh, their defense, I mean, we bottled them up. Uh, Todd Gurley looked okay. Uh, we, we, a lot of our uh, defensive rotation guys looked great against the run. Um, and, uh, yeah, Blake Martinez surprised the hell out of me. Um, and. Uh, yeah, if if uh, if we can shore up kind of like the transition games, special teams, and stuff like that, uh, that's a that's a that's a really formidable team in the NFC. Let's talk about that safety. Let's talk about the play call. Why? So is the, why? <laughs> so is a, it was a run pass option. Yeah, with, with a deep set single back, and they, we had run it before, and we threw the slant, which was open before. And the slant was open again. But uh, first of all, terrible call because you're running against Ndamukong Sue and Aaron Donald. And uh, you're running into the A-gaps where you've got a substitute offensive lineman. It's just – that shouldn't even be an option. It's insane. Uh, Mike McCarthy consistently baffles me with – his lack of self-awareness and, and how cute he tries to be. Does he almost try to, to, to do like the double negative is a positive kind of thing where he, he looks at it and he's like, there's no way they could possibly think I'm going to run it at Aaron Donald. I'm going to run it at Aaron Donald. Like it, it can't, it's, it, it can't work that way. It's never worked that way. And I don't see why he still tries to do it. Why he still chooses these completely bonehead plays on third down, or in this case, backed up into our own end zone. And what made matters worse, and you know, watching the replay and going back and looking at it, Stanley, I mean, might have scored. You know, he had, room. He had a lot of room. On the, 
Yeah, and every time we're on the one-yard line, I always go back to Bob and Robert Brooks, you know, 99 yards. I always cross my fingers because that was one of my most memorable plays as a kid. But that realistically could have happened, and it's just frustrating, you know. But I get it. 99% of the time, you know, you're backed up in the one-inch line. Most guys do a fullback dive. That's some funny. That way you're not coming from seven yards deep in the end zone. But, uh well, quarterback sneak it, you know, anything just to try to get you a yard and just have a little bit more breathing room. But it was just interesting. You know, a lot of coaches will say just put the ball in your best player's hand and just let him make the decision. But, yeah, I don't know. It was just bizarre. And then everything after that, I think we had a couple of series where, you know, even the first quarter we were up one or two and we had the ball um, close to the punt and then we just couldn't get anything going. And obviously Tom Montgomery missed a huge block on Donald and, had the sack on third down in six or seven, which is actually a time out, if I'm not mistaken, which made that even worse. But, yeah, the goal line thing just totally changed the entire momentum, and it was just a bummer. But after you look back on the replay, it's like Kaling was – he, he might have gone the distance. So, Speaking of, of Favre, uh, I think McCarthy, late career McCarthy and late career Favre had the exact same potential to piss me off right when I think they're doing something great. And it's becoming a theme, and it's really frustrating. In what ways? Just, just you know, some of those play calls, some of, those, uh, some of the things that, that it's just like you go out there and you're like, what are they trying to execute? What are you trying to do right now? Why is Aaron Jones not in the game? Uh, why don't you understand rhythm? Why don't you understand uh, hot hand? Why don't you understand what makes this play successful is a setup play. Uh, it, it's just like he's he's a he's like a the Sicilian in uh, Princess Bride. Uh, he's just overthinking himself, but he just he doesn't scout himself. He just like he's trying to trick somebody else, but he's playing a totally different game. Yeah, it's. I've always attributed it to just the coaches trying to look like a genius, you know, Yeah. just, just trying to look, you know, just playing someone kind of on a whim or, or, or just a specific play that, that you truly believe in and, and other people, you know, might not think it works. So the thing that infuriated me with Green Bay for years was that little quick toss that they always ran with Eddie Lacy and Eddie Lacy would go east and west and everyone knows he can't exactly run that way, and he'd get stuck for a loss almost every time. And um, it'll work once in a blue moon, and then he'd always get back to it. But yeah, Mike Holmgren was the same way with Favre, and it's—I I just think every coach kind of has a couple things that they truly believe in, whether it's you know rotating guys or you know counting how many plays you know just to keep them fresh, just different things like that. You know, just the analytics of it, and they just stick by it no matter what, whether there's a hot hand or not. And I think that's what's been going on with Aaron Jones, and that, that's the best part about Ty getting traded is um, uh, Ty's gone. Those snaps have to go somewhere, and they're sure as heck not going to go to someone who they signed off the street. I wouldn't think right away. So, so it'll be Jones to lose, and. It'll be really infuriating when we talk next week and, and Jones's snaps do not go up. Wouldn't shock me. I'll tell you that much. That's a classic McCarthy type thing. But you talked about just coaches being genius. Let's talk about a genius coach in uh, Bill Belichick, our upcoming foe. Um, he goes out and puts out a couple quotes this week uh, talking about McCo- Coach McCarthy 
uh, and I quote, is an excellent coach, game planner, and calls a very good game that's hard to defend. Uh, I have a ton of respect for him in their offense. Belichick being Belichick there. Um, also talks about Jair, great player. I think he'll have a great career in this league. He wanted to draft him. I don't know if this is bulletin board type kind of stuff or it's just Belichick getting in your brain and twisting a fork. Um, but the matchup's not going to be easy. It never is. Obviously, we have the 12 versus 12, which is a debate that's become hot this week. And if you're, if you're on it, don't even waste your time. Um, what, do we, what do we see happening this week? We kind of dabbled in it a little bit with Gronk. Um, but how do we recuperate after that Rams game? Well, I think um, it's, it's going to be interesting because it's, it's pretty easy for uh, the Patriots to come out and to establish rhythm unlike any other team in the NFL. So unlike it's the most antithetical thing to Mike McCarthy in the world, uh, the Patriots will come out and they'll probably run up-tempo five or six crucial drives throughout the game. And that's when James White is going to be lethal. That's when Julian Edelman over the middle is going to be lethal. And they can kind of just dink and donk, and then they'll get a couple wheel routes uh, out deep to, uh, to Gronk or uh, Gordon, uh, and that's how they beat you. Um, and uh, I think for us to, to, to really show up, we have to continue to improve on defense but we just have to dominate offensively. I don't think they have a great defense. I think if we can get into anything close to a shootout uh, where they have to play from behind and then we can just kind of uh, gag and put a bag over McCarthy's head as we play with the lead, uh, I think that's, that's the game plan. Yeah, the toughest part about New England is, is Tom Brady's brain. I mean, he- he gets the ball out just as quick as, as anybody else in the league. You know, three-step drops the balls out to his running backs, his tight ends, his fullbacks. He doesn't just stare at one guy, and that's kind of the, you know, the pleasure you have of not really having a true dominant number one receiver. You can spread the wealth around. There's no issues and things like that. But uh, they have to find a way to neutralize him, you know, picking them apart before the play. And and just come out and just because you're not going to confuse Tom Brady the entire game, but just you know just get him rattled a little bit. Everyone's always said if you hit Tom, he's a different player. Problem is he gets it out so fast you have to hit him, you know, pretty quickly. So I'm sure Patton will design some some blitz packages and some different schemes coming from the edges and things. With that in mind, I'm just keeping the ball out of Tom's hands. And like you said, our our offense has to has to score 30 to win at least. And they're going to have to keep time off the field, and you know, keep our defense fresh because New England's not going to have a bunch of, you know, big hit plays. You know, they're going to dink and dunk all the way down, and then try to hit you with the long left hand there. So they're going to have to keep the offense off the field, and, and you know, similar to what they were doing versus you know the Rams, but it's a little different of a challenge going from Goff, who's a young guy, and, and being coached what to do, to Tom Brady, who can literally tell you what you're going to do before you do it, and then he picks you apart. I think our offense can compete with anybody when Aaron Rodgers is on. And, you know, he, you know, truth be told, Aaron hasn't played up to his potential either this year. Granted, he's been banged up and hurt. But, uh, you know, the Rams defense has a lot of, you know, stud athletes, stud players too. They have more talent defensively than New England. Um, but I, I would think the Packers, when they're on their game, you know, especially with Cobb back, Allison back, Scantling improving. You know, Jimmy Graham has done some things here and there. 
Um, you know, then Jones now getting more carries too, hopefully. He's a bona fide superstar in the making too, as long as he gets his touches. All of the offense can compete with anybody. You know, you already know that Rodgers is not going to throw a lot of interceptions. They're not going to turn it over very often. And, you know, so it's just a matter of executing the game plan and, and just using a wide variety of things and not just old you know, junk that we've seen. Every time we get a lead, which I'm sure Tamil like to talk about, every time we get a lead, we can almost predict what's going to happen. And, you know, just using multiple, for, you know, formations, um, getting different guys in, in open spaces would be huge. But I honestly think the office can play with anybody. Yeah, I think one of the one of the really cool things uh, about the way we're composed right now offensively is that is that we can really spread the ball around, um, and as we get more comfortable uh, with like these new roles, uh, and I, I keep hoping for Jimmy Graham to get more and more comfortable uh, to just tear up that middle of the field because um, that's going to open everything up for these young receivers. Um, but as we get more comfortable, uh, it's just going to get more and more unfair with our third and fourth options on uh, pass plays. Um, I mean, right now it looks like Cobb and Geronimo are going to be competing for scraps with how everybody else is playing. Um, Devante, uh, the way he gets separation off the line, the way he gets separation at the top of his route, the way he uses his body, uh, he's incredible. And, and I'm so impressed by the way he has developed his game uh, over the past few years. Um, and that's a guy you can build around um, and we're lucky to have him. Um, but yeah, I think, I think for us to really get going, we've got to have a balanced game. We can't let them pin their ears back. Um, and uh, yeah, we have to keep 12 healthy and uh, hopefully it gets more and more apparent that he's able to do more every week. Predictions. I got I got Pack winning thirty one twenty four. Uh, unfortunately, I'll I'll probably go with New England. No, uh, twenty seven oh. seventeen. Chris, I hate you. A two, a, <laughs> a, a double digit. It, you know, ten, ten. Yep. Ten point loss. Unfortunately, Josh Gordon will run it into the end zone to make it a ten point win, whereas Todd Gurley did not. Oh yeah, Josh. Josh Gordon wants those fantasy fantasy snacks. <laughs> you need some sort of snack. No, I, I well, I honestly have have no idea what's what's going to happen. This has been one of the most interesting years because game and game are it's just so drastically different. It is really interesting, and if I wasn't so personally invested, I would be a lot more entertained. Yeah, if you would have told me at the start of the year that we'd we'd compete with the Rams, should have won when they were seven and zero, tie Minnesota, you know, I'd 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 be thinking that our record, you know, is is five wins, three losses, something like that. But uh, right, yeah, it's just been bizarre. We're still only half a game out of first. It's insane. Yeah, because it, it, it seems like Minnesota's going through the same thing, and obviously the Bears are overachieving. And then the Lions are not of it yet either, too. So it's all four teams have three losses by eight weeks. It's, it's not all that common. Usually it's, you know, someone pulls ahead a little bit, but good for us. Hopefully it keeps us in the longest. I think, I think the chaos, the chaos helps us. I think we can succeed in that. And uh, I think that's what, uh, that's what kind of forges 
a team and an identity. Yeah, I agree. I think this is definitely going to bring the team together. My only concern is, is with the change, are we going to have a little bit of a slump, a little bit of a, a learning curve to get over? Um, you know, I think the defense and everybody was starting to kind of mesh, you know, this, this late into the season uh, after the new defensive and offensive coordinator. So to kind of throw out haha, you know, is, is that going to be a huge deal? Or do you think that whatever Petten has planned, it will be a seamless transition for whoever it is and, and it, it should just pick up where it left off? I think that the big okay. thing, the, the big thing is getting those turnovers that he created. And that's, and that's, that's my thesis on that. Yeah. Well, to me, it's the fact that Haha hasn't missed a game in his entire career. He was kind of the Iron Man back there. And so just can that guy stay healthy? Because if it's someone like Tremont and has to make a lot of tackles in the, in the open space and, you know, down by the box, his body's going to take a, a much bigger toll than it did when he was on the outside. And, you know, someone like Josh Jones physically is more suited for it. So, I'm just, I'm just curious to see who they put there because I'm sure they'll try a, a couple different guys, they'll have different packages, kind of like they did for the Rams, and it'll be fun to watch. All right, guys. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we will talk again when we get, get back after New England, the coast-to-coast trip, uh, and we will hopefully have some good stuff to talk about. Thanks again for coming on, and as always, go Pack. Thanks for having us. Go Pack. Go Pack. Go Pack.